morning, Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another wild, whimsical Wednesday. Today, friends, Torch Report 334. When evil comes home to roost, the sickening moral rot and cultural decay, friends, it's on full display, and it's disgusting. It's disturbing. It's disgusting. It's discouraging. It's deplorable. I don't know. It goes on and on. I I think that we need to get wise real quick to what's happening uh, in America and obviously then what we can do about it. But particularly as it relates to the mental health crises, I put a link in the report today. Friends down toward the end of the report talks about over 60 percent of of uh, teens are dealing with depression and mental health issues and all that. When. Some sicko goes psycho and murders innocent children and unarmed adults. You'd think that the nation could come together and grieve and talk about what's going on. But no, no, not in America. Not now, because now we have devolved into a nation that cares more about pronouns, cares more about political posturing than actually having any meaningful conversation about what to do with all these sick bastards who keep methodically plotting to murder innocent people in cold blood. Ah, like I said, it's disgusting. And of course you probably know I'm referring to the shooting at the Christian school, you know, but I have to say friends, this is not unpredictable. It's not even unexpected at this point. This is the result of institutional indoctrination, breaking the brains of adolescents, of children, of youth, you know, severing their mental connection with reality and filling their minds with hate and confusion and crap. Now, this is all directly the result of applied dialectical materialism. That's what we've been talking about this week. Uh, The Marxists use it. The communists use it. The dialectical materialism, the Hegelian dialectics, that's what they've been using to, you know, create this conscious transformation. But it's really breaking people's brains, hence the mental health crisis, hence these sickos out there doing terrible, evil things. The fruits of all of this conscious transformations are being perpetrated upon the public daily at this point. And think about it. You know, think think about this whole trans shooter whatnot, okay? A woman decides that she wants to be a man. Why? Why would any woman make that decision in their, in their right mind? Okay, I'm just asking. And then she demands that everyone start referring to her as a him, as a man. Why? Again, it does not make sense. It's unnatural. It's illogical. It's irrational. Okay. Then she decides to undergo hormonal therapy to boost testosterone, her testosterone, which is known to cause rage, in order to transition into a complete freak of nature. Why? 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 There is no human instinct that would drive that. That is not natural behavior. It is entirely a social construct to quote the lefty loonies who can't seem to tell what the hell is going on here. Never mind that. You know, still not satisfied and not fulfilled with her life. 
now that she's transitioned and people still are referring to her as a woman, then she decides to plot an attack on a Christian school and murder children in cold blood. Why? Why? Tell me why. Can anybody tell me why? Because she's sick. That's why. What sick and twisted mental state was driving this heinous behavior? What? What, what were the thoughts going through her mind at any point in time What would, that would rationalize any of this, any of the psychotic insanity? Why? Where were her parents? Where were her friends? Where were the colleagues who might have intervened? in this despicable descent into darkness and evil. Where? Why? Where's the social support? Okay? Friends, my guess is that everyone who knew her was supporting her, standing in solidarity with her insanity, perhaps even encouraging her to embrace all of these irrational impulses. Oh, okay, sweetheart. Well, I'll I'll call you him now or whatever. I mean, these grand collective delusions have clearly taken a grip on the public psyche. And the utterly imbecilic so-called trans agenda has wormed its way into the minds of the so-called woke ideologues, the useful idiots who fail to see just how f***ing stupid they've become. Please forgive me. (laughs) I get a little ahead of myself there. I might have to beep that one out. But it's just, it's so frustrating. How... (laughs) How do we deal with this, friends? You know, it's not going to go away anytime soon. Instead, I believe that this insanity is only going to increase. Okay, this is all part of the plan. It's all part of the dialectics. You know, it's all part of the problem reaction solution method that's driving American politics. And more than that, It's what happens when moral rot and cultural decay reach the end stages of their conscious transformation. Okay. In short, friends, this is what happens when evil comes home to roost. And of course, it's just one uh, very sad example, very disturbing example of many, 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 many. Okay. What would you expect to happen given all of this, you know, systemic and indoctrination how about that systemic indoctrination you know what what would you expect with all the talking heads on tv uh, people out there openly calling for the murder of people who oppose their agenda that happened okay link in the in the report there that's just recently in weeks you know what would you expect when college professors are out there advocating for the assassination of their political opponents Again, friends, I'm not making it up. You can read the words here. I'm going to actually quote this one wretched professor, Stephen Shaviro from WSU. And he says, quote, I think it is far more admirable to kill a racist, a homophobe or transphobic speaker than it is to shout them down, period, end quote. Well, thank you, Professor Jackass. You know, when you have college professors steeping young minds in this radical bullshit like it's more admirable to kill a racist or a homophobe or a transphobe speaker. And he's talking about when colleges invite speakers to come on. If they're a racist or a homophobic, transphobic speaker, it's better to just kill them than to try to shout them down. Better to shoot them down than to shout them down. That's what he's saying. And this is the guy who is the steward of budding young minds. Friends, 
unless you missed it, you know, it's it's admirable to kill the people you disagree with. You know, at least according to the elite think thinkers and these esteemed institutions of higher learning, you know, this jackass, <laughs> ah, he actually goes on to praise the assassination of political leaders, you know, as long as the uh, the person pulling the trigger is a commie anarchist like this uh, Sholem Schwajbard, who, despite being a vile and contemptible communist, is being exalted in the halls of academia as an inspiring revolutionary. Think about how far we've come. This is where we're at today. This is what's happening in America today. This is what passes for higher education today. Friends, it's nothing less than indoctrination into insanity. And it's nothing more than a dialectical dismantling of human decency. Okay. Of course, <laughs> uh, quite unfortunately, all of this institutional conditioning actually starts at a much younger age courtesy of all the state-sponsored Head Start programs that primed the undeveloped minds of small children for a minimum of 13 years of relentless social conditioning. And that's before they get to the halls of academia and higher education, where they can learn the dialectical materialism that will drive them mad, okay? Friends, the, uh, the process of conscious transformation is proceeding at pace, cranking out one generation after the next of poorly educated pupils who have learned little more than how to be a compliant cog in the revolutionary wheels of the commie cabal. And at this point, I believe if we with eyes wide open are honest with ourselves, the fundamental transformation of America is nearly complete generation after generation. Now we're reaping what we've sown. Now all we need to kind of complete this Fundamental transformation, of course, is the destruction of our currency and the toppling of our teetering political structure and a full purging of the remnants of our culture, which is all happening, by the way, slowly, systematically behind the scenes. But I think very soon we're going to be fully transitioned to another failed socialist state that must be propped up by the global cabal and their gangster international banking cartels, much to the same way that they are currently propping up the sock puppet sitting in the Oval Office. Friends, this is what happens when evil comes home to roost. It's sad. It's really sad. I mean, you sit with it for a little bit and it's disturbing. And you know what? If tears come up, let them come, man. I mean, we could, we need to grieve the loss of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but loss of a way of life, you know, a, a loss of decency, a loss of shared values, a loss of morality, a loss of sense and direction as a nation. We do need to sit with that and grieve that, friends. But then we can't just be sad about it, okay? We have to get mad about it. What the hell is going on here? WTF, it's time to fight. But how? How do we fight? How do we fight against the powers of darkness and evil? Now, I know there are many people who say we need to pray, and indeed we need prayers, but we need more than that. Some will rightly claim that we need salvation and that the Lord's return is our only hope, but friends, we need more than just hope. 
No one knows the hour or the day. Faith without works is dead. So how do we fight against the darkness now until the end is revealed? Now, you may recall recent uh, events down in Kentucky. It was the Ashbury revival, the Asbury um, awakening. And that kind of sparked this series of spiritual revivals all across the country. Prayer and worship, I believe, is a damn good way to fight against darkness and evil. And if you are not already plugged into a community of faith, you may find this rise of spiritual awakening a perfect opportunity to get plugged in. People are talking about it like it's the 1970s, you know, the Jesus movement, the Billy Graham revivals and all that kind of stuff. It's a similar awakening. If you're here in the local area, you know where we're at, friends in the Columbia River Gorge, you might be interested to know there is a revival event this weekend at the fairgrounds, just just as an FYI. But that said, I want to take a step back here because I know for a fact that there are many people who are going to read these words, read today's report. They're going to listen to the podcast. And you know what? They're not Christians. They don't believe in prophecy. You know, they're, they're not into going to church. And you know what? Uh, they're highly skeptical about any claims of religious superiority and moral dogma and all that. And let's not forget that these uh, non-Christian, non-prophecy, non-church going, you know, highly skeptical uh, people are still our friends in the fight for freedom and that we actually need them. We need We must stand together on the right side of history in order to protect our children and our communities from the very real evils and the darkness of the present day. We need that. Okay. Friends in the fight for freedom was the most popular uh, podcast last year. I put the link there in the article. You can listen to it uh, in the report today. You can listen to it. Folks, some folks question the reality of spiritual warfare. You know, like, oh, you're going to pray and worship. Oh, yeah, good luck with that. Meanwhile, children are getting slaughtered. Okay, so if somebody's questioning the reality of spiritual warfare, that's just okay. All right, fine. Fair enough. You know, if prayer and worship are not your cup of tea, that's okay. Fine. Okay. If you're not holding out for divine intervention, okay, your eyes aren't fixed on the sky. That's okay. You know, in fact, friends, it might be best for us just to set all of that aside and address the practical aspects of shining light in the darkest times, okay? In other words, how do we fight against the delusions and the mental illness that is plaguing our nation? How can we do that in, in practical terms? And as I was thinking about that this morning, a spontaneous thought just ripped through my mind, and it was the idea of spiritual dialectics. And I'm going to noodle through that and, and present a more polished thought of spiritual on uh, spiritual dialectics in the future. But the gist of it is this. We need to help people realize that we are, as human beings, we are spiritual beings. And very specifically, that spiritual curiosity and spiritual expression are fundamental to human nature. So yes, we are hackable animals, but we are not soulless hackable animals. And I believe this is actually the proper starting point to reorientate public perspective reorient remember when we uh it was what two days ago report talking about the the, the socialistic reorientation they're reorienting 
people's perspective to be a bunch of socialists, you know? Well, we need to reorient people's perspective to come to the place of, hey, we're spiritual beings and we're, you know, more on that in another time, friends. More on that in another time. I see um, see the time here. So, but that, that's the, again, I believe that's the proper starting point and I want to get more into that. Right now, what can we say for sure? You know, what can we agree on? How about uh, evil seeks to harm people and control people? Darkness diminishes perceptual awareness. Menticide destroys independent thinking. Mimetics spread the mental virus. Propaganda distorts the reflection of reality. People don't know what to think and they don't know how to think. And the convergence of these factors results in this shocking display of cultural decay that we're witnessing today. But what can be done about it? You know, that's the question. Practically speaking, what can we do? And the here's what i'm going to i'm going to provide a few you know a few thoughts here some workable solutions i don't want to just ask a bunch of disturbing questions but i want to i want to frame it just a little bit because when we start talking about spirituality and religion and what's the solution here darkness and evil and all of that kind of stuff it conjures up a lot of concepts it 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 brings to the front of the mind personal beliefs about good and evil and right and wrong and God and religion and, you know, all of that. And it's, it's absolutely critical to understand that we have allies who think and believe different things. They are, their thoughts and beliefs about God and religion and all of that, they may not be the same. And that doesn't mean that we're not on the same side or we're not on the same team. And so, you know, if you find yourself, uh, concerned or, you know, not sure about that. Well, hey, guess what? If anyone lacks wisdom, just ask God. God gives to all liberally without reproach. You know, go back and read the Bible. If you're not into the Bible and religion and asking God, I would say, take some deep breaths, sit and observe the mind, elevate your inner awareness. You know, what is true and what is real right now? It One, we know for sure or let me put it this way. I, I'm not going to say we know for sure. I'm going to say this is what I believe. Okay. This is what I believe. I believe that darkness is the absence of awareness, but awareness can be accessed. It can be activated and elevated via intelligent inquiry. We can ask questions to direct the mind and search for answers. And that opens the door to personal discovery and potential awakening. And we can use this fact to our advantage. Now, second, you know, solutions must be personal in nature. There is no one size fits all solution for people suffering with mental health issues. Human beings are just too, you know, far too complex. Okay. So in order to help people wake up, we need to connect authentic personal connection and build relationships. Okay. And the third thing that I believe is a workable solution or plays into a workable solution is the idea that there is evil in the world and that evil is always on the move. Who would disagree with that? Now, we may disagree on how to define that exactly, but there is evil in the world and it is on the move. And when we can find an agreeable starting point like this, 
to open the door to conversation, then the conversations can build those authentic connections and relationships and community. And this, I believe, is the best defense that we've got, logically speaking, against evil during dark times. And again, here, here's where the dialectical tactics come to bear. This is where it would be helpful to understand how to use the dialectics and to intuitively grasp how to do this. I want you to think about the, uh, the ancient story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. How was Eve deceived? Of course, according to the Bible, the evil serpent asked a simple question, a.k.a. the magical talking snake to all of my uh, atheist friends. Okay, But the magical talking snake, you know, the, the evil serpent asked a question. Did God really say that you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say that? And then boom, you know, the fall of man and all the suffering that has, you know, has plagued humanity ever since because she was deceived. Okay, but you talk about a loaded question. And the point here, of course, is the dialectical deception. By asking the question from the negative, the conversation led to the negation of the original premise. This is leading with the opposite. This is the anti antithesis. And if you've been following along, this is the whole cycle, you know, thesis, antithesis, synthesis. And to any sort of thesis, idea, or belief, if we apply this simple technique by asking, is that really true? Just for an example, then in the back and forth that follows, there's a synthesis that's forged and new ideas are formed with a clever choice of words and a particular attention to language, this dialectic technique can be used to facilitate a conscious transformation, just like what they've been using to consciously transform, you know, humanity. But it would actually be more accurate to say that they're facilitating a subconscious transformation of human consciousness, friends. That's what's that's how this process works, and that's what's gotten us into the situation. And when evil comes home to roost, friends, we must shoo it out of the coop. And it's going to take more than a shotgun to get the job done. Wisdom says to use our words, friends. After all, the word was good. God. And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to find that little heart on the website or the Substack app. Clip that heart and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you would share this podcast with a friend. Get out there and embrace this wild, whimsical Wednesday. Stay wise, friends. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.